Hello and welcome to the Circuit Python Weekly Meeting for June twenty second, twenty twenty. I'm Scott, and I work for Adafruit on Circuit Python, along with, uh... <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, Hire Effects chats with me right when I start. Um, I work for Adafruit on Circuit Python. Uh, Circuit Python is an easy to use version of Python designed for hardware. Um, we. Uh, CircuitPython development is sponsored by Adafruit. I think my goal with this introduction is just to prove to Jeff that he's ready to do it um, by all the things that I'm failing at. Um, CircuitPython support is... Uh, CircuitPython development is supported by Adafruit. So support Adafruit by going to adafruit.com and buy some stuff there. It uh, improves everything for us. And everybody's talking to me once I start streaming. Uh, or recording, not streaming. Um, this meeting happens every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Everybody is welcome to join. Uh, it's an audio-only meeting in the CircuitPython channel on the Adafruit Discord. You can join the Adafruit Discord by going to adafru.it slash discord. Uh, hop in there. We're there all week. We'd love to have you. Um, this meeting is five parts. Uh, it tends to run an hour to an hour and a half, depending on how many folks we have in it. Uh, the first part we have is community news, which is kind of a a an overview of all things on the interwebs that are CircuitPython related, and that goes credit for that section goes to Anne who puts that together uh, every week, and we'll get into the more more of that later. Uh, after that, we have uh, the state of CircuitPython, its libraries, and Blinka, which is a kind of statistics overview of the project meant to ground us in the realities of the numbers. Um, if you think that the numbers don't reflect what you think CircuitPython uh, that, that are important to CircuitPython are, uh, let us know. We can always change the metrics that we look in that section. But it's meant to ground us in, in kind of facts as term, in terms of like how things are going. Uh, after that, we have kind of the opposite of facts, but uh, hug reports, which is a section where everyone is given a chance to say thank you to other folks within the community for the work that they've been doing. And... Um, seems silent at the moment but you can hear me i think right um so during hug reports everyone's given a chance we do it as a round robin thank you Anne. uh and uh that means that i will start and we'll go through the list of the folks in the voice channel giving everybody a chance to speak if you don't want to speak like a bunch of people in the chat have been saying already let us know you're lurking and then we'll just skip over you it's no big deal um and if you have notes but do not want to speak uh you can always put those in the notes doc that is a running Google Doc uh, that we edit as we go along. Um, in that notes doc, I put time codes so that if folks are listening to this after the fact, um, they can then seek through the video or the audio to hear the parts that they care about. Uh, that implies, and of course, uh, I should be explicit that we do record this meeting. So uh, beware that that uh, the text CircuitPython chat and the voice chat is recorded from my end. Um, after hug reports, we'll do status updates, which is done as a round robin as well. Um, and we will uh, each have a, a minute or two to talk about what we've been working on and what we plan on working in the coming week. And it's a great way for us to just get a broad idea of what is happening within the, the CircuitPython community. Lastly, we have a section called In the Weeds, which is a chance for us to just talk about whatever we want to talk about. Uh, mostly pertaining to CircuitPython. There's some questions and stuff that we debate there. 
And uh, if you have topics for In the Weeds, please drop those in the notes doc before we get there so that we can have a pretty smooth transition. When we first used to do this, we would uh, kind of like hit In the Weeds and just wait for people to say stuff in the chat. And that's just uh, not super efficient. So uh, hop in the notes doc and and put stuff there. And uh, that's how the meetings run. Uh, Everybody's welcome. We'd love to hear from you. And let's get started. I don't think I forgot anything. Uh, but maybe I did. <laughs> Never know. So first up, we have the community news section. Let me take a time code. Um, first and foremost, uh, we're we just realized this, and so we're just starting to advertise it. But um, happy birthday to the Adafruit Discord. Uh, somebody was checking some member counts and stuff, and we noticed that the server was created June 21st of 2017. So... Uh, it's been three years. Adafruit Discord's three years old, and uh, thank you to everyone who has participated in making the Adafruit Discord the welcoming, uh, booming place that it, it that it is. Um, and Jeff points out that the, the cake emoji even has three candles, so this is like the golden birthday of Adafruit Discord, where the emoji matches your age, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, so thanks to everybody again for being a part of the Discord. Uh, next up in community news, uh, Anne has a number of things with, oh, I should take a time code. Um, Bluetooth is the highlight of the newsletter so far. Um, saying with active development of Bluetooth capabilities in CircuitPython, here's a spotlight on some of the recent community work. Um, and one of them, I actually didn't copy the whole thing, so I'll just read a couple of these. Uh, one is iBeacons are Bluetooth low energy devices used in location awareness applications such as welcoming people as they arrive at an event or broadcasting information to compatible devices at a nearby museum exhibit. The term iBeacon is Apple's implementation of the technology and reportedly is what they use at their stores to send notifications to iPhone users as they enter and leave the store. There's also an example of controlling a Lego WeDo 2.0 wireless motor with Python and Bluetooth. And there's links there to EV3 Dev Forum and YouTube. Lastly, there's also an HCI UART emulator, which is a very simple emulator for Bluetooth HCI UART transport, which is written in Python. HCI is kind of like the API for talking to uh, Bluetooth devices, which is cool. Uh, next up, and I really wanted to highlight this one. Um, you can now sponsor MicroPython on GitHub. So uh, there's yet another way that we can sponsor um, upstream MicroPython and the development that uh, Damien and Jimo do. Uh, it says, become a sponsor of MicroPython on GitHub, and funds will go to continued maintenance of the software, recruiting additional maintainers, and offering bounties for finding and fixing critical bugs. So visit their GitHub for more information. And I encourage everybody to do that. I think I'll go in and actually redirect some of my sponsorship dollars their way as well. Um, next up, Python is the thir- third most beloved developer language in the 2020 Stack Overflow survey. So um, the the text here is in the 2020 Stack Overflow developer survey, Python slips to third place in the beloved category behind Rust and the surge in TypeScript to make TypeScript just a bit higher than, than uh, Python. But again, I would encourage everybody to take the Stack Overflow developer survey with a grain of salt. And don't forget that Python really is a beginner-friendly language, and that's where our bread and butter is. We don't have to be 
everything to everyone. Um, so keep that in mind when you look at the Stack Overflow. <laughs> uh, it's very interesting to see, but it's not the end-all be-all. Um, next up, and if you want to know more about my opinions on that, I did a talk at Pi Cascades where I kind of address it. Um, it Next up, uh, the Hello Blink show, leading a developer community with Katni Rambor is posted as of today, which is super exciting. Um, it says, in this ex episode of the Hello Blink show, Harris and Sean interview firmware developer, hardware designer, technical writer, and community leader Katni Rambor. Katni shares her insights into how she engages followers and educates her peers. Listeners will hear her advice as she delves into her experience with Adafruit and the process involved with fostering a community on learning CircuitPython. So I've already downloaded it. I've started to listen to it, listening to it. I'm excited to go for a walk later and finish listening to that. Um, I'm sure it's awesome. And Katni, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Next up, uh, we have something from Maker Melissa, a scrolling LED matrix sign, um, which is an awesome GIF that is in the notes doc. So you can see that there. It's, I don't know how many panels long, a number of panels. It says, CircuitPythonista Melissa LeBlanc-Williams has been working on a large multi-LED matrix display. Six panels wide, super cool, nice and fluid with a like PCB background, which is super neat. Um, so great job, Maker Melissa, with that. Two more. Um, first and foremost, I think this is right up C. Grover's alley, actually. Uh, but a number of folks could, could help out with this. Uh, New York is going to be doing some uh, cheering for Pride, I believe, this weekend at 1 p.m. And Phil would like to create a song that involves uh, folks cheering for Pride, I believe. Uh, and if you're interested and want to provide some cheering samples of, so use a audio recorder of some sort. And uh, what you can do is you can email Tom at Adafruit.com and he will use the samples that you send his way in this, um, in this song. So if that sounds cool to you, please do that. Uh, we're not going to super broadcast, no, we're not going to broadcast this super widely because we are a bit worried that some folks will abuse it. So you are a special group that we trust to ask for this. So um, send your cheers Tom's way. That would be awesome. And lastly, uh, we have just a bit of an, a reminder that um, Adafruit is back open and shipping. So uh, if you want to support the folks that are paid to work on CircuitPython, um, shop adafruit.com and, and help us out and make continue this project going forward. So that's it for community news. I don't think I left anything super critical out. Uh, next up, oh, I should say before I move on, um, this part of the weekly always comes from the draft of the Adafruit uh, Python for Microcontrollers newsletter that Anne leads up. And so thank you first and foremost to Anne for putting that together. And also, if you want to help Anne out, if you have CircuitPython projects that you maybe blogged up in the last week or you haven't seen end up in the newsletter, let Anne know. Uh, we'd love to show stuff off. And for those of you listening, you can email Anne, Anne, A-N-N-E-B, at adafruit.com for all your hot tips on cool CircuitPython projects. Um, which actually also, uh, it should be... Um, 
Yeah, the Tamagotchi thing from Caps Lock would be cool, too. I don't know if you got that in there. Um, but yeah, that was that was neat, also. Okay. I'm glad I didn't forget that. Okay, next up, let's do State of Circuit Python Libraries in Blinka. Um, Anne says, nope. Do you know what I'm talking about, or should I send you a link? The Tamagotchi stuff from Caps Lock. I'll talk about it in my hug reports as well. Okay. Let me just do it now. I'll post it if folks haven't seen it. Uh, or maybe it was in last week's. Jen, sent you. I never remember how to get the link for. Okay, yeah, I think you got it. Yep, yep, yep. There's just an update to that. It's cool. <laughs> okay, for reals this time, state of CircuitPython libraries in Blinka. Uh, first off, overall, um, we had 17 pull requests merged. Uh, uh, let me take a step back. Uh, the point of this section is to give us a grounding in the stats of the projects. So uh, you'll see both numbers of like activity, but also numbers of people involved. In, and those are two both imp important metrics. We had 17 pull requests merged from nine different authors. Uh, some new authors that I'd, or names that I don't recognize are Buchen and Luke IQT. So thank you to those new folks. Thank you to everybody who uh, authored pull requests this week. Really appreciate it. We had 10 reviewers, which is quite high for us, which is awesome. Uh, thank you to everyone who's gen reviewing. Remember that uh, the number of authors that we can have scales with the number of, of, of reviewers. So um, that is super helpful if you want to get started. Um, and Jeff points out that there was a, a translation PR that uh, Fede2 Alvaro was also a part of. So thanks to Fede2 as well. Sometimes, depending on when we pull stats, they can slip through the cracks. So uh, happy to highlight those things as well. Um, Issues-wise, we had 17 closed issues by 9 people and 13 open by 12 people, so we're net down 4, which is awesome. I think the last couple of weeks we've been up a little, so it's great to see that us uh, making subtraction against those issues. And overall, I would say our community is growing a lot uh, because people have time right now, which is awesome. Uh, CircuitPython, uh, we've been having some discussions about uh, renaming the I2C slave class which may trigger us to go to 6.0. So if you have uh, any API changes that you want to see happen soon, I think we may end up at CircuitPython 6.0 sooner rather than later. Uh, let us know on that front. Um, I think similar to last time on the library side, we're starting to pick up again as we introduce new hardware. And the Blink side just keeps growing and growing. And thank you to Melissa for uh, steering that ship which is a big ship. It's, a, it's surprising how many people are using CircuitPython libraries on Raspberry Pi. Okay, uh, that's overall. Uh, now let me talk uh, about a bit more detail of the stats for the core. Uh, in the core side, we had four pull requests merged from four different authors and two reviewers. So thank you to everyone involved there. We have 19 open pull requests, which is quite a lot, but the, old, the oldest is only 65 days old. We're not too far behind, which is great. Um, so let's keep on top of that. It's cool to see the number of pull requests picking up, um, which is cool. 
Issues wise, we had five closed issues by two people and five open by five people. So we're net zero for a total of 309 open issues. And the thing that I like to track the most is getting an idea of what our, our triage backlog is. And the best way that I know of to do that is by looking at uh, the number of issues that that are not assigned a milestone. And for this week, it is 13. So we're kind of keeping pace with the number of issues. We're not necessarily on top of it, but that tends to fluctuate a little bit with uh, where we are in the release cycle. So basically like right before we do a stable release, we want to be very diligent about looking at our issues, but otherwise uh, not so much. And that's it for the core. Let's kick it over to Katni for the libraries. Thanks, Scott. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is over all of the CircuitPython libraries. We had 12 pull requests merged from five different authors and eight reviewers, which is excellent. Um, the oldest one that we merged in was 43 days. We had four of them that were at a week and the rest were below that, which is good to wow. see. Um, and that leaves us with 33 open pull requests. Uh, we had nine issues closed by six people and seven open by seven people, leaving us with 178 open issues. Um, if you're interested in all of this information, you can head over to circuitpython.org slash contributing. And if you are looking to contribute to CircuitPython, it's a great place to start. You'll find all of the open PRs, uh, which you can pop in, take a look at, see if there's anything that you can test, see if there's anything you can look over and just leave a comment and let us know what you've uh, what you found. Um, that's always super helpful. And uh, you'll find all of the open issues and those are sortable by label, which we've been trying to be better about labeling everything. So if you're looking, if you're new to everything, you can do search for good first issue and find some stuff that might be at the level that you're looking for. Otherwise, um, most of them are uh, bugs enhancements or documentation things. And um, you can take a look, see if anything interests you, uh, leave a comment on that issue that you're going to be doing it and, um, you know, go for it. Uh, we have a guide on working with Git and GitHub if you're new to that, and we're also always available to help. In terms of library updates, there were a number of updated libraries over the last week, but no new libraries. And that's where we are with the libraries. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right, let's go to Melissa for Blinka updates. Hello. For Blinka, we had um, one pull request merged by one author and one reviewer. Uh, there were, there is currently one open pull request, and there were three closed issues by two people and one open by one person, leaving a net of 24 open issues. And there have been 1,642 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we are currently supporting 52 boards. Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah. All right, that is it for State of Circuit Python libraries in Blinka. Uh, next up, we have Hug Reports. Hug Reports is a chance for us to talk about um, and thank others for the work that they've been doing. Uh, if you are lurking, please let us know. Uh, double check the note stock to make sure that we've noted it. Um, that means that either you have written some, written some text in here you'd like me to read off or just are uh, listening in. And uh, otherwise, I will call on you and give you a chance to unmute your mic and talk to us about what you think is important and the work that uh, folks have been doing. So 
I will start, and uh, then we'll kick, then we'll go around in a circle, uh, in a circle, <laughs> a circle on the list. Um. <laughs> All right, let me get going. I'm just like off today. Maybe we should just have Katni do it all the time. She does a much better job. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, a hug report to Foamy Guy for digging into Display I.O. I've uh, been watching some discussions there, which has been awesome. Um, hug report to Fede2 for helping with CircuitPython and ElectionCal translations and also Learn Guide translations uh, into Spanish, which are amazing. And I love this. I would love to see Adafruit content be more uh, accessible to non-English speakers. So thank you for leading that. Um, next up, hug report to Capslock for the awesome Tamagotchi-inspired virtual pet. Very excited and interested to see how that is evolving and improving. And then lastly, I just uh, we had some more discussions in the mod channel. We've, we've been quite busy, and I just wanted to say thanks again to all of our awesome Discord mods. Um, I was actually at my parents' house yesterday talking a bit about um, moderating an online community, and I think that they were kind of impressed how uh, proactive that we that we take things. So uh, thank you again to everybody for, for really stepping up, and uh, let's all take care of each other and make sure that we're, we're in it for the long term because it can be taxing from time to time. So thank you, everybody, on that. And next up, let's go to V923Z. Thanks, Jeff. So this week I have a group hug, and I would also like to thank the ever-busy Jeff Appler for helping out with the documentation stubs. Uh, I still have a couple of questions, but he pointed me in the right direction. So thanks, Jeff. Awesome. Thank you. Anne is lurking, so we'll go to Brent. Hello, um, a few hug reports this week. Hug report to Scott for documentation of digital IO and uh, analog IO and the API design for CircuitPython. I've read through it a lot before. I think a lot of us have, but I'm working on a project which implements a similar API and I've been taking a different look at how it's written and it's written and designed incredibly well. Um, also to Scott for pointing me towards protocol buffers when I was looking for a way to serialize a lot of data it's also extensible, and I'm enjoying writing it more than JSON, which is really <laughs> weird for me. Um, uh, Jeff, for NTP discussion, I learned about time deltas, which I never learned about. Um, and Jerry, for working on reducing the code size of the RFM 9x libraries to make uh, hardware accessible over a period of time, which is great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thanks, Brent. All right. Carter and C. Grover are lurking, so we'll go to Charles. I was lurking. Okay. I, I put it in the uh, text channel. All right. No worries. Thanks, Charles. All right. Let's go to Dan. Okay. Uh, two things. Um, uh, I'm starting to work on ESP32 uh, Bluetooth code, and Lady Ada wanted to get that working on the uh, Metro M4 Airlift. And I started working on it, but I got sort of stuck in she was already zooming ahead and she got it working over the weekend. So thank you very much, Lamore. Hmm. And then uh, thanks, Scott, for last Tuesday, we had a wide range of talk about a whole bunch of different aspects of BLE stuff. So thank you for that. Okay. Thanks, Dan. All right, next up, uh, we have Dave P. Deshipu and D. Harada lurking. So we'll go to Foamy Guy. 
Right. Um, I'm going to start this week actually with a, a belated hook that I forgot to mention last week for Summersoft uh, for working on the documentation pages, specifically the, the out-of-date warning, trying to make that a little bit more um, visible. So I uh, forgot to mention that last week, but I definitely really appreciated it. Um, this week to Jeff uh, for helping me uh, get the build process for the docs um, figured out so that I could work on some uh, PRs that had failing uh, docs builds. And then um, to Caps Lock uh, for the, the virtual pets, sort of like Tamagotchi uh, device thing that they have set up. That thing's really cool. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Um, to Dishiku, um, I had noticed an issue with new game buttons. I mean, um, Dishiku got that fixed. Um, I appreciate that. And then uh, lastly for me, just a, a group hug to everybody. Awesome. Thanks, Foamy Guy. All right, next up we have Hyrefect. Um, I forgot, I, or I didn't put this down, but I, it's the last minute one that I actually just shot up, uh, thought of. Um, uh, thanks to Joey Castillo for his work on the open book. Uh, I just put one of those together last week. Um, and uh, it's a really cool device. It's, he's, he's done a bunch of work on making uh, Unicode fit in a small amount of flash uh, so that you can actually put it on a NordFest chip. Um, and uh, in general, has just done a whole bunch of, of, of neat stuff regarding um, different languages and Python. So um, I'm interested in work with that. And then uh, a group hug to all of Awesome. Thanks, Hire Effect. All right. Jacob and Jason are lurking. So well, let's go to Jeff. Hello. Uh, a group hug because everybody out there is wonderful. But also specifically to Geek Guy for your contributing continued contribution to CircuitPython, and for working on the newsletter, Anecdata in the help for CircuitPython for a helpful conversation about temperature sensors, to Jerry in advance for checking out a problem I ran into on the AHT20 sensor. I may just have one that uh, is a bum sensor. I'm not sure yet. Uh, to Fiddy2 for the Spanish translation of CircuitPython. It will be exciting to see that one come up to 100% real soon as well. And uh, to Lady Ada for another helpful conversation, trying to get me unstuck on SDIO, where I was stuck for about two weeks. And I think we're past that now. So. Great. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's me. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Next up, we have notes from Jerry, who says group hug and Katney. All right. So this week, uh, I have a hug for CJC for their contribution of a modified animation to the LED animations library. Um, they submitted a new animation and examples to go with it, um, and it's really nice. Uh, to Crayola for continued work on the LED animations library. To Foamy Guy for a documentation fix and for always reviewing PRs. To Alvaro for translating the CircuitPython Essentials Guide. The translation is currently in moderation, and they are ready to pick up another guide. So we will have, um, once that is done, we'll have two fully translated Spanish guides and um, a third one being worked on. Uh, to Dan for helping me make a decision regarding a PR review. To Jeff for a lovely conversation last week and for handling a moderation issue reported directly to me while I was not available to deal with it and to the community moderators in general for handling everything that's been coming our way. Awesome. Thank you, Katney. All right. Uh, KJW is lurking, so we'll go to Maker Melissa. Hello. Uh, 
I wanted to give a hug to the community moderators for dealing with a lot more spam and unruly folks than usual lately. Uh, a hug to Adafruit for recognizing Juneteenth and uh, Anne for adding my scrolling LED matrix sign to the newsletter and a group hug to everyone. Awesome. Okay, we have Mark and Obvious Ollie lurking, so let's go to Summersoft. Hello. So uh, one more for the moderators. Um, we do keep getting some unsavory joins, and, and everyone just kind of keeps rolling with the punches. Um, for all the streaming, like all of it, um, <laughs> Lady Ada, Phil, you, Scott, uh, Nina Zankarico, you know, doing Python T now, and it just, I think it all really helps in our, our continued isolation. So um, thanks for that. And then a, a group hug. Awesome. Thank you, Summersoft. All right. Next up, we have status updates. We do it in a similar way where we do a round robin, but this time we're talking about a bit about what we've been working on and what we plan on working in in the coming week. This is a great chance for people to just like give tips and tricks about uh, the work that folks are going to be get, be doing or if they hit a bug or a problem, um, getting kind of cross-pollination between folks and, and understanding what's going on. So uh, same rules apply. Uh, let us know if you're lurking, uh, if you just joined in. I don't think anybody has. Um, but you can also double check in the notes doc just to make sure as well. All right. Uh, and I will start. I just got excited because I, in the notes doc, uh, star girls reports are right before mine and she will be on, uh, Python T this week, which I'm excited about. And I'm already behind on Python T. So I've got to do that as well. Okay. Um, 29, 38 for me, uh, I made good progress on sketching out the spy support, but we'll actually need to compile it and test it this week. Um, the implementation implementation highlights the memory man management issues with having two different allocators, uh, the IDF and CircuitPython itself. Uh, we'll try and focus on the bare minimum necessary for bus IO because that's been a long time coming. Uh, I plan on streaming on, oh, my stream on Friday talked through many of the trade-offs and I need to get back into the headspace so I can do it on Tuesday. So you kind of want to know the details of that. I talked it all through on Friday. Uh, and then hopefully this Friday on my stream, I'll be able to show that it's all working. Uh, over the weekend, I made really, really good progress on electioncal.us, which is kind of my, um, that's true. My stream last time was on Thursday, Jeff. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I, apparently it's like long weekend style for me. Um, but yeah, I got lots of election cal stuff done over the weekend and I played a lot of Age of Empires 2 as well. So um, definitely feeling uh, that I've got more headspace. So I'm looking forward to finishing up bus IO this week. And with that, let's go to V923Z. Okay, thanks Scott. So um, about a week ago, someone popped a question on, on GitHub asking whether we could add um, uh, recursive filters to, to Microlab. And um, it turned out to be an excellent suggestion. And, and um, I had to, actually I had to read a lot um, uh, of background material, which is not, not particularly spectacular, but um, I had to do that in order to, to, to be able to um, pull off the code. I have just merged that. And um, in, the, in the coming week, I, I will try to see if, um, um, filter design functions could be could be added in a meaningful way, um, and I think that would be would be also awesome because then 
then you could design functions on the uh, filters on the fly. And I think that that would open uh, um, uh, open um, new possibilities. Um, I would like to point out here that the um, the, the other type of functions uh, or the filter filter functions are the um, uh, uh, non-recursive uh, functions that that were the the first contribution of of Jeff uh, to to Microlab. Um, I I think that was that was also a great addition and and I, that was also a turning point in 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 how Microlab is developed. So thanks thanks again for that, Jeff. Uh, I think that that was uh, a terrific contribution. Awesome. Thank you. All right, next up we have Brent. Just reading Hieroflex notes and I'm jealous he got an open book. <laughs> I've seen them in person and they're way smaller than you expect. I didn't oh. order one yet. Um, much smaller than you expect. Uh, I've been working on learning protocol buffers this last week for a project I'm working on. Um, I might be looking at writing a protobuf library for CircuitPython. I like how um, the compiler that Google wrote uh, they have a compiler that can create Python modules with like built-in methods and classes from like dot proto files. And I would love to mimic that because I really like the flow of generating the file and then bringing it straight onto the CircuitPython file system. You can also add it into CircuitPython, but I haven't done much research or implementations about this at all. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a thought I'm working with. And then I'm moving next week, and I won't be on that much. And the IoT monthly newsletter also comes out next week. That's about it. Nice. All right. Good luck moving, Brent. Thank you. All right. Next up, uh, Carter, C. Grover, and Charles are looking. So let's go to Dan. Okay. So uh, one minor thing. Um, some people have been seeing a problem with uh, microcontroller.cpu.voltage. They would try to use it. And it would just hang. And I thought this was strange because I had implemented it and it worked. And so I tried it on one board and it worked. And I tried it on another identical board and it didn't work, <laughs> which is means that it's it varies based on the sample of the, C, the chip, which is terrible. So after um, trying a few things, I found that if I just put in a, a slight delay before trying to use the ADC in this case, it works. And it's peculiar. It's not, it, ha it has to do with the ADC in this particular function or something, or the voltage reference thing from the supply controller inside. It's sort of terrible, but it, it's fixed. Um, then another thing is that we've had a, an issue which has had a lot of discussion about um, how do we handle brownout when your battery runs down? And then if your board comes back up, you don't want it to be in safe mode because it's in a cabin somewhere or on a dock or something like that. So uh, I tried one thing. I set up the logic to specify that you don't want it to go in safe mode. And I tried to store that state in RAM, but it turns out that, and I just moved the voltage up and down with a knob and it didn't work well because the RAM location get, disappears, the information there. So I think we have to store this state in flash. And I'll work on that at some point. It's not extremely urgent, but I understand the problem better now. Hmm. Um, and then finally, the main thing that I'm doing is that I'm re-implementing BLEIO underscore BLEIO third time. Hmm. And that is um, 
we're going to use something called the HCI, which is the host controller interface, which is a serial protocol interface that's used. It's pretty universal in the Bluetooth world, like your typical Bluetooth dongle uh, uses that to talk to the host computer or the host computer uses it to talk to the dongle. And you can put uh, HCI firmware on the ESP32, not the ESP32 S2 yet, just the ESP32. And we have that already on our breakouts and various boards, including the Metro Airlift. So I will re-implement uh, BLAIO so you can now do Bluetooth from an M4 board uh, when I get done with that. Or any board that can talk to, just talk serial to one of these things. Okay. Yeah, super exciting. Thanks, Dan. All right, Dave Deshipu and Diharada are lurking, so let's go to Foamy Guy. Right. Um, so this week I was uh, continuing working on adding support to different devices for the PyBadger library. I got the PewPew M4 completed this week. Um, although I do need to uh, go back and check on something actually in the image load library. I've forgotten I made a, a small change in there a long time ago to get it to work on my PewPew. Um, and I'm not sure if that ever got merged in, so I need to double check. Um, but I do have the Pi Portal and the PewPew working uh, on my devices, and there's a PR out there if anyone is interested in taking a look at that. Um, I also started working this weekend on a something I've been thinking about for a little while. It's a, a system that will let us define layouts in, uh, in JSON files, and then you can store that file on your device, and then you'll have a little bit of Python code that will read the file and then render it um, as all the layouts onto the screen. And it's kind of the, the very, very, very early stages of what we'll need for some sort of drag and drop um, layout editor. So um, I got pretty good progress on that. Right now it's supporting the uh, text labels, the images from image load, and also the on-disk bitmaps. Um, but still lots of work to do there. Um, a couple other things I was working on is just uh, testing out a couple of LED animations PRs, as well as doing uh, some other reviews over the weekend. Um, and then uh, the last thing that was kind of on my mind this week is I'm starting to brainstorm some ideas for a, uh, a text input module. So like uh, if you imagine old school video games, how they have uh, for the high score or something like that, you have kind of a grid of letters and then you know, you have control that lets you move a function around and then hit A or something to uh, put it up in the, up in the selected uh, text box or whatever. So. Um, if anybody has ideas on how to, to implement something like that in Circuit Python, I am all ears because uh, I'd love to get something like that going for high scoreboards in uh, in Circuit Python games. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for this week. Awesome, thanks, Fomi guy. My brain was just thinking about that. I was like, what if it wasn't just a fixed keyboard, but it actually was like based on like letter frequency? So like after you have the first letter, then the next letter is like the thing that we think is most likely that sort of thing. That might be too confusing. All right, uh, let's go to higher effects. All right, so this uh, past week, um, you know, my goal was to uh, tackle a whole bunch of bugs and knock off a bunch of issues. And unfortunately they all ended up being a little bit harder than I thought they were going to be, so I ended up making some new issues. Um, knocked off a couple of like really, really easy things, but um, otherwise, I worked on the trying to get the IMX uh, 1050 in, which um, 
didn't really work out because uh, the, the EBK, the evaluation board, has given me trouble. Um, I put together a control for the RGB matrix, which I would like to eventually get supported on the F7 and H7, but unfortunately that's not really working either. And um, uh, tried to work on a memory issue that we still haven't been down. So <laughs> in general, things were not super productive. Um, but uh, I did get to put together my open book, which I'm very happy with and uh, have lots of ideas about stuff I want to experiment on with that. So that was a, a nice little way to round out an otherwise kind of frustrating week. Mm -hmm. um, this week, I'm going to just kind of put the bugs on hold for a little bit and go back to allocator system for the STM32. Um, STM32s have timers that they share across a bunch of different modules. Um, and right now, they don't really, they kind of like hoard their own little supply of timers and they don't let anybody else have it. And we're running out of timers for the number of modules that we want to support. So I got to write something that's going to let all these modules kind of negotiate what timers they get and uh, deliver that information to the user somehow because uh, we're probably going to start cutting into to user timers. And, um, I don't know, but it should be an interesting project and uh, definitely going to be a little bit less frustrating than some of these kind of wacky off-the-wall bugs. So mm -hmm. um, and then I'm also going to be moving back or preparing to move back to Boston. So I'm, uh, I'll be in and out this week, but um, okay. time I'm not being in apartments, I will be spending on certified now. So. Awesome. Thanks, Harifek. Good luck with uh, finding an apartment. Yeah, it should be a little easier than it normally would be because of... Uh, COVID, actually. Yeah, hopefully. You might have to move yourself, though. I know I at least had one set of neighbors that, like, none of the moving companies at the time were doing it, so they had to do it all themselves. I don't have too much stuff, so... That's good. All right. Uh, Jacob T. and Jason P. are lurking, so let's go to Jeff. Uh, last week, as some of you know, I was mostly stuck on the SAMD51 SDIO work. Um, at the end of the week, I got a SAM E54 explained board, which is the development kit for a very similar sibling chip to the SAMD51 and ported CircuitPython to it. The main reason I did that is because it has an SDIO card slot built in and wired properly and some pull-ups. And uh, so this week, I got unstuck on SDIO this morning using that board. So yay, that paid off. Um, I think the problem was the lack of pull-ups, but it could have been the quality of my wiring because I uh, also had some problems just when I would probe the signals with my uh, Salier uh, logic analyzer, it would stop detecting the card. So it's obviously not, uh, not got a lot of headroom for these signals to be communicated. Uh, anyway, this week, uh, I need to start working on cleaning up that code. And then I've got some other PRs that uh, need to be merged ahead of that. So um, maybe more organizational than writing new code, but that is a fine change of gear. Uh, the, my fun stuff that I'm up to is making a temperature and humidity logger. It shows the high and low that it has seen on the little feather OLED screen. And because I switched that to having the uh, STM32 Feather in it with the SDIO SD card, I will be using that code when I go ahead and add uh, logging soon. So that will loop back around and be related to what I'm doing right now. 
Awesome. That's what I got. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Uh, next up, we have notes from Jerry. Jerry says, working on re reducing the code size of the RFM9X library. Goal is to freeze it into builds for the Feather M0 RFM9X, working for most language builds, but some of the larger translations are not fitting yet. Uh, stumbled across the issue with Pulse.io not working for the DHT library on the M0 board since 5.3. <laughs> I was hoping to be able to, be able to omit Pulse.io from the Feather M0 RFM9X build and still use DHT sensors via Bitbang. Not working yet, but also found that it does not work with Pulse.io either, so I'm not sure if there's an underlying problem. Uh, Pulse.io is okay on the M4 boards. The DHT sensor has been problematic before, and there are so many better options, but since it's popular and inexpensive, it would be nice to be able to use it with this board. Uh, plan to continue with the RFM 9X code reduction next week. That's from Jerry. And next up, we have Katni. All right, so last week I published a guide for Nindoff combo boards. Uh, we have a series of boards that have um, accelerometer, gyro sensors, and magnetometer sensors, uh, like two sensors on a single board, and they all run pretty much off the same code, um, though there are some pinout differences between them. So we did a guide that involves three boards um, together. And I did a bunch of miscellaneous, going through GitHub issues, going through PRs, um, got some PRs merged, um, some GitHub issues fixed up. And this week, uh, right now, I'm working on fixing a bug in some code in a learn guide that I wrote. Um, we updated the LED animations library API, and I had forgotten that we actually had a project that was using it. So um, I got the code running, but now I'm finding other bugs. So I'm not sure if it's uh, bugs in the code or bugs in the animations library, or it's possible that we just changed how things work and I just have to figure that out. So um, finding bugs in the LED animation library and filing issues is the next thing on my list. Um, I will be adding, there's a fourth board that's a nine off combo board. It's a, a feather wing. So there'll be two feather wings and two breakouts in that guide. I need to add the new feather wing to the guide. Um, so before boards total. Um, I'm going to be going through open PRs, specifically testing the PyVadger PR, um, since that, uh, since I created that library, um, made sense for me to take a look at it. Um, I'm going to be verifying that all the appropriate libraries are on PyPI. I know Melissa has been going through and testing display libraries, but I want to make sure that, um, now that we have display.io support that everything that should be is on PyPI, um, so make sure nothing got missed. And then... I'm going to be writing a guide for the 74HC595, um, which is a little chip that lets you control eight LEDs with three wires. Um, we have it, and uh, we just never we never did a guide for it. It's been on my list for almost two years, and uh, it's decided now would be a good time. So that is the next thing on my list. Um, I'm working with uh alvaro on translating uh the next guide um the next guide will be a project guide and then after that uh the circuit playground guide so that'll be really good and that's what i got awesome thanks katney all right uh mark is lurking where am i kjw is lurking so let's go to maker melissa 
Alas, last week I worked on a few GitHub issues uh, regarding displays. I wrote a script for calibrating NIDOF sensors just by running it on uh, the Raspberry Pi from the command line. Uh, I wrote a guide page for using the above script. And it wasn't feeling very well near the end of the week, so I didn't get as much done as usual. This week I am starting working on a Blinka Pi Portal port uh, to allow scripts written for the Pi Portal to run on Blinka. And whatever else comes up. And then for other projects, I uh, finished working on building a scrolling uh, LED message board. And I wrote a complete library for the message board to allow easy scripting and animating it. And that's all run in Python. Awesome. Thanks, Maker Melissa. Thanks. All right. Uh, Pink Vampire, do you have a status update on what you're working on? I know you just uh, I'm totally not in the kind of programming, and especially that I'm a machinist. So, obviously, yeah, yeah. I'm waiting on programming. Uh, yeah, I just built a, a pretty cool mini hybrid, but it's totally not related to any of your programming. Uh, That's okay. Uh, I know. I know you do awesome machinery stuff. <laughs> it's just impressive. Yeah, it, it was just stuff laying around at my house, so I kind of <laughs> decided to put them together. Yeah. I can post the pictures if you want. I don't know if it's going to be later. I don't want to skin Yeah, a picture would be great. Yeah. In what channel to put it? Uh, in the CircuitPython channel. Just awesome. my little height page. Ah. Um, it's all uh, high stiffness uh, aluminum parts uh, mm -hmm. with uh, 2024-T3, I believe. Uh, it's kind of cool, little two and a half inches uh, mini height gauge, which is pretty cool if you need to kind of take measurement for reverse engineering difficult part and you don't want to go to the CNC machine just to grab it. It's mm -hmm. tiny <laughs> <laughs> awesome well good work yeah. awesome thanks all right thank you pink vampire for the machining update and lastly yeah. or not lastly we'll go to summersoft hello again uh so uh last week um with rosie pie i completed uh the refactor to utilize PyTest. Um, and it's now working on a uh, test node. So if you'd like to see an example of the output, there mm -hmm. you can find it at that link. Um, that was basically all last week. Um, I did update my open PR um, for the USB uh, VID PID duplicate checker. Um, mm. I'd used a whitelist as one of the roving variables. Um, so I changed that to ignore list just kind of with what we've been doing as far as using terminology. Um, mm -hmm. I, I went ahead had the thought and I was like, you know what, it's an easy update. So I went ahead and updated that. Cool. Um, obviously that PR will stay open for a while until we get the actual VID and PIDs 
NFT conflicted. But, right. Um, so, and then for this week, uh, I'm not really sure. Um, I've kind of come to the realization, realization that I need to come up for, for air uh, from Rosie Pie. Mm-hmm. I've been working on it for over a year now, which kind of shocks me. That's probably the longest I've ever worked on a single project. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I started to look into some of the issues that have left been left open on Adabot, and I just I couldn't focus and dig on anything. So I'm gonna try and do that again this week, but we'll see. Yeah. You could also come up from Air from Circuit Python as well. Yeah, fair, but then I'm still just kind of in the same position. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Age of Empires is for me. <laughs> oh, I do plenty of other stuff. So you know, I play plenty of Destiny. So nice, awesome, cool. But yeah, that's where that's where I'm at. Thanks, SummerSoft. I appreciate everything you do. All right, last up, we have notes from Stargirl. Stargirl says, publish the source code and the hardware designs for the hostess feather wing at the link that somebody hopefully will drop in the comments. And and also, Stargirl says, this Friday, I'll be on Nina Zakarenko's Python T and we'll chat about CircuitPython stuff, which is at twitch.tv slash NNJAIO. So check that out. I Carol Willing, who's a friend of ours, uh, was on that last week, so I'm excited to go back and watch that as well. Um, thank you, everybody. That was status updates. Uh, we have one more section to go, and that section is In the Weeds. Um, in the Weeds is a section for uh, kind of longer-term discussion and stuff. Um, and I'm just going to hand it over to V923Z, and then I'm going to write in a topic I want to talk about. Okay, thanks, Jeff. I, I seem to um, hijack the weeds each time I participate in the weekly meeting, but um, I do have questions. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, the first question I would like to ask is about the um, the documentation. Um, uh, uh, based on on um, um, Jeff's pointers, I, I looked at uh, the the Adafruit stuff or the the Circuit Python stuff, and I am actually sold on the idea that um, that the, the documentation there should, in some way, be part of of the MicroLab project mm-hmm. um, because I, I think these these very terse and and short. Um, um, uh, documentation snippets are are extremely useful, and and I, I would love to to integrate that into into MicroLab. Now, the question is, um, how do we do this? Um, because the thing is, if 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 I put this in in my code, or, well, I, I I hate to say this my code, but in any mm-hmm. case, if, if if you move it over there, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't matter where it is exactly, whether it's in the code itself or it's in a separate uh, uh, folder, it doesn't matter. The mm-hmm. question is, um, well, there are two questions. So it should be done in a way that um, that you can um, incorporate that in, in the CircuitPython documentation with a single click or um, without having to, to fuss about uh, uh, scripts uh, that sometimes run, sometimes don't run, and so on and so forth. And um, I think the, the uh, uh, directory structure that you have, that's, well, that's what you work with. So I could, I could just prepare the documentation um, in that format. That's, that's not the issue. The, the issue is that uh, the, the documentation should be 
should be verified before before I actually issue a pull request, and that means that I have to have to somehow compile the the documentation into mm-hmm. into something that I can look at. But right. obviously, I would like to do that without the without all the the uh, Adafruit or the Circuit Python stuff because that's mm-hmm. that's actually huge. Mm-hmm. So. Um, um, the, the question is, um, if you see a way out of this loophole, um, or, well, so what would you suggest? What what, what would be your approach? Because I, I think the, the, the main problem is that, um, and I'm sorry for this, but, but this is this is the situation that I think Microlab is the the only external project that mm-hmm. you that you uh, really integrate into circuit Py- into circuit python right. um, and you don't have um total control over what's happening there and it breaks the the um uh, i wouldn't say that your code is monolithic but but it's it's definitely a single entity that you have control over mm-hmm. and i i see that microlab breaks that and and we we have to have to somehow uh, uh, well um, facilitate facilitate this this um, um, mm-hmm. back and forth between the two projects. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the moment, I, I see only difficulties, uh, but, <laughs> but perhaps there is a single and and a, a, a five second solution that you have on top of your head. And if, if it's so, then I would like to hear that. Well, first, I want to say, like, working with you as being the first person to have a project that we integrate has been wonderful, right? Like, I, I for any project that we integrate like this, like, th- you've been as responsive as any maintainer could be. So, like, don't apologize for being that first person because it's been awesome. Um well, um, that's, I'm glad to hear that. But the, I think the, the, the emphasis was, was somewhere else. Um, Obviously, I, I don't want to create extra hurdles for you because right. that that would be unfair, and I, I don't see any reason for that. So, um, if we do this, um, then then we have to do it in a way that 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 actually eases your your life mm-hmm. instead of instead right. of making it harder. Um, so, um, again. The, you you stick with this this uh, uh, directory structure. That's fine with me. I mm-hmm. I have no problems with that. But I be, before before I I uh, uh, bother you about the, the mm-hmm. pull requests and so on and so forth. Then then I, I would like to see whether the documentation that I have on my side actually compiles, because right. I think it would be really annoying that you 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 started to compile the whole stuff and then it it um, slips up on on microlab yeah that's pretty stupid well i think um what i would like i would encourage you to do it in line in your c code just like we do that's um, that's absolutely no problem like but that's up to you like like i think that's just a b- better practice yeah, I, I i have no problems with that we can do that yeah but at the end of the day you extract these these comments from the mm-hmm. from the uh, code, and that's what becomes your documentation. Right. Um, but it still has to be verified. Yeah. So there's a couple ways you can verify it. Like the the code that you extract is Circuit Python or is Python stubs. 
So right. there is, uh, I forget the name of the project, but there's a thing that I will just, like, syntax uh, fragments, uh, right? Uh, say that again? I think that's that's just uh, Sphinx uh, uh, fragments or, or uh, restructured text. Well, so the stubs the stubs now are actually uh, proper Python stubs. So I would encourage you to actually release it as a Python stub package. Okay. So that uh, that way people can use it in their editors for autocomplete, which is mm -hmm. the reason that we switched over. Okay. Um, and there is uh, I looked. I'm blanking but there we have a helper script that uh dylan and i kind of collaborated on that mm -hmm. just loads it up and verifies that the syntax of those stub files are correct um and then i what i would do is also just i would suggest setting up your read the docs and sphinx build to use those files for your api documentation okay um, and that is the same build process that we will use but in the like monolithic sense as mm -hmm. you're saying uh, but okay. if it but if it works for you for your read the docs build, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work for ours. Okay, yeah, that's that's fine. I I, I didn't know about that, but but if you are confident, then then let's try that. Yeah, yeah, I I okay. don't think it'll be a problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, the, the second question is I think it's a more more general question um, uh, whether people would be interested in benchmarks. Um, and I, I uh, linked uh, an example here. Um, that's uh, that's Jeff's uh, uh, intro to to Microlab, and I I think that was that was interesting. Um, obviously, um, Jeff um, compared two implementations, or actually three. Um, one of them was the Python only implementation, and then the other one was Microlab. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously. Um, I'm not going to implement everything in Python just for the sake of, just for the heck of it. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, so I wrote the, the FFT code in C because in Python it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And 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 um, so I think the, the comparison um, part I could leave out, but still the question is whether, whether people want to see, want to know uh, what an FFT costs, or if they simply think that, well, it's just fast enough for me, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously, if you if you um, if you want to have benchmarks, then um, well, you you have a lot of of boards that you support, uh, and I have only two, I think, right. uh, at at the moment. So. Um, if, if if people are interested in benchmarks, then then somehow it has to be a bit um, um, coordinated, um, and and people would have to chip in. Um, although, on the other hand, uh, perhaps it's fair to say that uh, the 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 benchmarks will scale with the with the frequency. I, I don't think mm -hmm. that there are orders of magnitude differences between between two chipsets. Uh, two chips uh, running at approximately the same frequency. But right. I, I don't know that. I, I think one would have to see it. So in any case, it's a very general question. I think that's uh, not, not only for you, but for the, for the community as a whole. Yeah, I think my, my perspective on benchmarks is one of a huge grain of salt. <laughs> 
I think a okay. lot of times benchmarks are misused. Um, like, for example, I was at the Open Hardware Summit and somebody had this chart of like which board is fastest. And I was just like, it's not about that, right? So... Right, right. But um, I, I can tell you uh, the back background. So I, right. I, I started on uh, to, to work on MicroLab because I, I needed a fast FFT. Right. And for me, it was 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 uh, important that it can be done in two milliseconds instead of ten. Right. Uh, that was on a Pi board. Right. So in in that sense, I I, I really needed that benchmark. Mm -hmm. But uh, on the other hand, I I, I see your point um, that um, these are these are misleading. On the other hand, there are so for example for the FFT, uh, people usually take the or at least in the past used to take the um, uh, 1024 point uh, FFT and then mm -hmm. put it on different pieces of hardware and then see how how fast it goes. Right. But um, I. I'm, I'm not pushing this idea. It was really just um, a, a, a huge question mark. I, I, I don't know if, if it's useful or interesting or, or people are, yeah. you know, or whether people care about it. Um, hence the question. Yeah, I think, I think in specific cases, so Jeff points out in the chat that benchmarks could be valuable in order to let us notice whether there has been a regression. And I think mm -hmm. that's totally true. Um, I think that in limited cases, in the FFT case that you're talking about as well, they're, they are very valuable. But mm -hmm. I, I do worry in the like broad, like let's test, all, let's run this benchmark on all these boards, sorts of things. Um, and another example that makes me wary that I have is like MicroPython has a series of benchmarks that I can point you to, but they're very like kind of specific. Mm -hmm. And like there's this issue that we ran into where there's like a worst case with a tight loop where the tight loop is allocating two block pieces of memory, not one block pieces of memory. And like mm -hmm. the, it, it like hits this like really terrible performance case. Um, but the fix takes a little bit of performance out of their existing benchmarks. And so they like waffled for months on, I don't, I don't think they fixed it still, Okay, but like, but no, like okay, clearly then. there's this case that's like way worse that, that we should pay the cost for. No, no. I, so if, if, if if your argument is that uh, it's it's it can can be uh, misinterpreted very right. easily, then, then let's drop it. Then I haven't even asked it. I mean, it's fine to ask it. <laughs> and I think, as Jeff points out, and you're pointing out as well, like for specific cases, it's what you it's the tool you need. But I think broadly, it's it's largely uh, uh, an unhelpful tool. Okay, um, no, fair enough. But people can, can people can say otherwise as well. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's fair enough. So um, I think we can we can move on. Thanks right. a lot. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, last up, I wanted to talk about the. We have a, Jeff made an open pull request to rename I squared C slave, and there's a lot of discussion on that pull request about what we should rename it to. And because it is a rename and it will cause a major version number bump, I want to make sure that we kind of all agree on what the name is. Um, and I don't see us coming to a conclusion in that PR. So it's just going to, like, I think where I'm at is I would prefer for both I squared C and Spy to just call a host a host and a device a device. And then I know we have this problem with uh, both the MIMO labels and the MOSI MISO labels of Spy. 
And I think that the way that we can explain that is main input, main output. And for the S's, I like actually the suggestion from, I think it was Don. Like I was suggesting calling it shared output, shared input. Um, but I think actually selected was what I think Don suggested. Uh, and I think that makes a lot of sense given that we have a chip select line. So um, that's a way to like tie the names all together that I think selected is a, is a good one. Um, so my proposal would be that what, Jeff renames I squared C slave to would be actually be I squared C device, which does also risk the idea that um, some confusion with bus device, which is not necessarily a great thing. Um, but it's in the same sense of Bluetooth, where like you're you're being an I squared C device from like two sides, right? So like bus devices from the outside, you're talking to an I squared C device, and I squared C device in CircuitPython is you being an I squared C device. Um, so I think that's okay. What did you think of I2C peripheral? Uh, I2C peripheral? Yeah. I was only thinking peripheral for SPY because SPY is the serial peripheral interface. Um, yeah, but I2C, so I2C um, host and I2C peripheral because it, there are no acronym, there are no Right. I mean, it, yeah, maybe it's just a little clearer. S SDA and, and uh, SCL S's. Right. So serial, serial data and serial clock. Right. But I mean, we always say like, oh, this is a night. I mean, there's this sort of jargon thing like that. The chips have peripherals, but that's right. just microcontrollers speak. But in right. general, you would say... Like, oh, this breakout board, that's an I2C peripheral. That's an I2C device. Yeah, I guess either one is fine. Like what's on what's on this what's on this uh humidity sensor board? Oh, that's an I2C device. Right. That's my probably perspective on the naming was kind of coming from perspective of somebody who's who's designing. I'm designing a number of boards, you know, mm -hmm. uh right now, which I would like to have running CircuitPython ultimately. Right. And um I'm just I'm I'm like actively concerned at you know I, I I'm worried about kind of basically maintaining compatibility with CircuitPython while maintaining compatibility with you know like the rest of the world right so right. so so that people you know if I because they're they're ultimately going to be wars that are aimed at newcomers um and uh and and I'm just I I worry basically about having I, I think from, from my perspective as somebody who hasn't really launched any bots before, I don't have a lot of cloud. I don't have like a full company behind me. I don't think I could make the acronym breaking name change on my own. I, I just don't, I don't think I could actually pull it off. Right. Right. Um, and so, I don't know, my perspective in general would, I, I don't really see the advantage while I understand the host peripheral, Accuracy, technical accuracy. I don't really see the advantage when when we have good, like you said, we have pretty good. I think that main and selected is about the best name that's come up so far. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty accurate. I feel like the advantages to keeping that consistent, having everything use main selected, uh, having getting to have just one explanation of. Know why we made the change 
Uh, it doesn't have to be made, you know, multiple times for different cases. Um, I just think that that makes the most sense. That's that's my personal view. Right. Um, so you like but, the idea of the wire naming matching the naming of the devices themselves. Yeah, I like I like the idea of just of just using main and selected. I think selected is better than secondary. I like the idea of just using main selected for everything. For both I2C and SPI is what you're saying. Uh, I think it still works basically for 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 I squared C because it indicates you know I squared C is also a bus that only runs one thing at a time. Right. right. And uh, and even if it's using an address system, it doesn't have the select line. It is still a selected device by virtue of the of the uh, you know address that is sent. It still makes sense to me that you know a main device has uh, you know selected devices reporting to it. So I think I think honestly, like I don't know, my preference would be to keep it simple, but that's just I think that's I think that's really interesting because I I like I'm thinking back to the stream I did a few weeks ago where I was explaining the difference between all of them, and it was like you know, the idea that you select a device between I squared C and spy is, is accurate. Like they just have different approaches to how they select it. I think that's kind of interesting. Well, they self-select, I mean, I2C, they're listening all the time and they're, they're, yeah, they're sure. good citizens. Oh. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think, I think, I mean, if you say the idea is, well, it used to be M and S and, in, in the I2C world also. And so now it's still MNS. That's fine. It's just, there weren't any board labels that in the mm -hmm. I2C world that use MNS. Right. So only in the documentation. And I think, and I think as I, I haven't objected yeah, to the Yeah, I mean, I think if you just said, if you just put some the explanation in parentheses, like selected parentheses device comma peripheral or something like that. Yeah. Anybody well, who... Would, would be able to figure it out. And I mean, I have, chances are you're going to explain it with, like, if you have a sentence for what the selected is, you're going to explain it using the word peripheral or device. Yeah. I, I will say, I also spent, like, about half an hour with a bunch of thesaurus websites, um, and I didn't <laughs> find come up with any other MNS words that were better. So, I, mean, my, <laughs> I, I, I really liked uh, manager and subordinate, but I guess, I guess those are just clunky. Um, yeah, I, I felt like you know a lot of my devices kind of have this boss boss employee kind of relationship where they're delivering data to each other, but they're still peers. Um, right. You no, know, it's kind of peer to peer. But I think main selected is. So does it make sense to, for us to have an I squared C selected class though? Like, uh, uh, I think that's where it's like a little. I squared C selected is a little. I, I think that I could see device is fine for that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really mind I squared C device because, you know, like, like I, all of this is really just for SPI because that's the one that has the label. Okay. Um, well, I say that I squared C device, uh, honestly, I squared C and I list stuff, I would just say kind of use whatever is the best. Like, <laughs> um, well, isn't this ish? issue really in in the in the case of circuit python it's in the uh in the bus uh when you create create the bus you know in bus uh, bus io mm -hmm. that's the only time that the pins pins them the names 
pins are even mentioned. Right. When you create the device, when you create the initial bus, yeah. Bus, not when you create the device, because right. the device already knows about about that. And yeah, I think that the naming convention—that's the only that it becomes a serious issue. You do need a you do need a selected whether you're doing I two C or not because because basically it's just what is the method of selection in I two C it's you supply an address in SPI you you actually use a pin right I think I think that my my I, I would say. Uh, let's just use host device or whatever you want to do for, for I2C. Um, and uh, if you uh, follow my suggestion, it would be uh, main selected for I2C or for SPI. Um, for explaining MOSI and MISO. Just for, for just explaining that. I mean, you know, I, I think it's much more relevant in terms of how these terms are discussed in tutorials and documentation than the actual right. itself. Um, True. We're really just, really yeah. just laying the outline for how guides are going to work and right. and setting the standard for that. So my preference would be that we don't have two parallel terms for SPI. I would rather just be maze like. Yeah. That's right. And that's kind of all I have to say. About <laughs> so I I like the I like the selected approach um, as I mentioned in the stream last week. You know. Using shared, uh, I I pointed that out that you know it's it kind of glosses over the you're you're pointing to a device whether it be spy you know clock select or um, you know I do see is a little bit more implicit with the address but um, but as as Jeff just pointed out I think the bigger issue <laughs> is is the I two slave library rename yeah. If you rename that I2C device, then you've already got that in bus device as as a class object. So what would you change that to? Hmm. Is peripheral on the table for I2C and I2C peripheral? I mean, I think Dan put it on the table. and I don't disagree with it. It's just, I, you know, it's as with this topic, I think everybody's having, you know, it's there are so many different <laughs> little wrinkles to the whole subject when you start to talking about these names that we've been using for 20, 30 years. Right, there's like there's a kind of an element of bike shedding here. A risky, but think. Yeah, and I, like I should also say that I like I'm not against us referring to master and slave as in like in the documentation, maybe in the de developer guide, we'd say it used to be called master. It used to be called slave. Like it's okay for us to explicitly say that, um, so that people who are like what, like not understanding the mapping, I think it's okay for us to to say those as like these are the terms that used to be popular or or are popular outside of our space. Like I think it's okay for us to do that when we're explaining it, uh, because then we can also explain why we're, why we don't use that. <laughs> Um, the multi-master stuff is interesting because you could just like do multi-main potentially. 
think multi main. I mean, multi main makes more sense than multi master, though. Yeah. Yeah, and to ship you, I think if you want to change clock to SCK, like, I guess. Yeah. Um, it actually doesn't matter that much because I don't think it's. I don't think it's keyword arg. Uh, maybe it is. It's an optional keyword arc. Um, okay, so I what I'll do today is I will do a final like pitch on it. Like I, I actually doesn't bother me too much that I squared C device is something that is in bus device as well. It doesn't sound too crazy to me either. For like, yeah, I think bus device is actually more, but it doesn't really matter. It's most people don't see that, so yeah. And well, most people won't true. use most people won't yeah. use I squared C slave either. Yeah, it's a very right. The number of people affected by this is pretty small. And I think the reason I'm okay with the same name is I think it is like you're really doing the same thing from two from two perspectives, right? Like you're either implementing I squared C device or you're talking to an I squared C device, like. It's kind of okay to me. It's just a matter of how you use it. Just like some of the Bleepy stuff, like you can end up being the client or the server depending on how you use it. Your one problem with the, the iSquared C device thing, I think, is probably advertising that that functionality exists. Because um, it, I think it, I think it's possible to me that people would come in looking to see whether we have an iSquared class and don't see any name for that and then basically assume that it doesn't even it's not even there right um so, i'm not too worried about it because i don't think anybody's using it already so <laughs> I, if i just Fair look enough. in if i just look in in wikipedia i2c it says it's wisely used for attaching lower speed peripheral ic's to processors and microcontrollers so, so the word peripheral have... i think peripheral I think it's used as the word peripheral. Okay. Um, like if I just looked up some some I2C devices. I think that I been... would actually kind of prefer peripheral as well. Because the more I think about it, the more I think of peripherals as being something that's attached to a host. Because right. a device can just be anything. Like um, peripheral right. at least you know, has the control relationship. Yeah, yeah. It's more specific. Yeah, yeah it's, I like that. it's on the periphery. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I would, I would, I would say, yeah. My my end vote would be I squared C peripheral, and then yeah, me. I squared C host, I squared C peripheral. But for uh, spy, then, you'd like to uh, do main and secondary, and or main, main, and main and select. Would be my vote. But selected only really applies to the wires. Because there are other devices connected to them that are not selected. Yeah. Well, it says what the wires are used for, that they're used to send from the main to the selected device, right? Right, which I like, but uh, Higher Effect was arguing that we should use main and selected for terminology for the devices themselves, too. As in, as in, it's confusing to refer to a device as a selected device as a classification they right. aren't selected all the time. Right. Uh, secondary, I mean, if, if, if I don't like secondary as much, but 
don't know, I, I care a lot more about keeping the acronym. Um, and basically anything else. So yeah, but that's, but I think, it makes like, sense to me that secondary would be. I, to me, I'm not like, I, I think my vote would be host peripheral for both for the device names. And then when we have documentation for what MOSI and MISO are, we say it's the main output with the selected input and the main output with the selected or whatever. Like, I think that you can, we can use main and selected to describe and teach MOSI and MISO acronyms. But it doesn't have to match up with the fact that one, like it, the main output of the wires is connected to the host, and the selected peripheral is connected to the selected output, selected input. Like, well, I mean, I, I, I can only just provide what input yeah. I have, and I, you know, it may be that I see the ultimate documentation and and change my mind. Um, so. Yeah, we talked about manager. Manager and subordinate. The yeah, coming up with the the S term. Like that's that's what higher effect is talking about of like manager and subordinate, but I mean manager and peripheral, like maybe we do a hybrid where the M means the same thing. Or And is subordinate is subordinate. Well, like basically, it's a manager and peripherals. And yeah, the manager IC and the peripheral ICs, and then the buses manager in and out, and the selected peripheral in and out. Yeah, that sounds. I think that sounds. You think? Yeah, I think because I think you're just going to use it in a sentence. And 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 that's okay. Yeah, I, 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 I personally don't see anything wrong with saying just a subordinate, subordinate peripherals or a subordinate, subordinate peripheral. Uh -huh. um, you know, a subordinate <laughs> device, um, a collection of devices. Yeah, I I think you know the reason that I push towards host and device is like, I think those are the terms that you actually use when you're talking about it. Like from... it, it depends because you know host, host and peripheral I think of as being typically technical. Um, so you know, for anybody who has at least some background in tech, they're not going to be an, an absolute beginner. I think they're not used to talking about things as hosts. Well, they it's, it's the term in the USB world. Right. Well, the, I, I think the problem with host is that the device, like uh, if you use USB and SPI at the same time, mm -hmm. device is a USB device and SPI host right. can be confusing. <laughs> so where are we at? Well, I, I think I think the only decision that you really have to make is what to rename i2c slave mm -hmm. in terms of in terms of a name change or so, spi slave rather spi what well, no we don't support spi slave i would call it i would call it peripheral 
I would call them both peripheral. If, if eventually we invoke, we we invoke, we create, we did SPI, SPI subordinates, I would call them an SPI peripheral. Yeah, yeah, that sounds. Because it's it's it it it. If you just call it an SPI device, it doesn't. It, peripheral distinguishes it more than calling it a device. Right, because device you could apply to the host. Well. Right, and I don't think the the P. I don't think the fact that the P, an SPI peripheral is not an S makes all that much difference. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing is that you just want to give you some alternate names when you're describing people how, how to wire things up and learn guides. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I would, I would say like, if I, I, what I would like to avoid is the scenario where we're pushing people to actually use different acronyms, because that's the point at which like, right. I would, I would begin, I would actually have to reconsider how I make third-party boards, right? Or how, what, what I integrate. I, I think you can still, okay. it's the selected peripheral. I, I think yeah, you, can still, you can still use NS and people will understand how to wire it. I don't really think that's a problem. Well, if we're going to have the two parallel names, I would just ask that, you know, they're, they're both brought up, you know, uh, some equal frequency that, so that people really are making that connection. Yeah. But I think that people who like people who need SPI peripheral support already understand it really well. Okay, it's not it's not a beginner is not going to say do you do you have SPI peripheral support? I, I yeah I don't mean in yeah. with code. I mean most people are not going to touch it in the code. I'm just saying you know in the terms of guides. So when we're writing a guide for an SPI uh, device of any kind, I'm assuming that you know the Adafruit guides are going to follow the uh, standard set by this decision, right. And... right? So that it would just it would say like MOSI stands for main out selected in uh, main means the microcontroller or the main device, and S means the selected SPI peripheral, and you just have to add a sentence, yeah, for okay. that, and that, that's all you have to say. So, well, I you know, and I think once people know that M is main it doesn't really matter what the other one is because it's not main. So it's the other end. Yeah. So they don't really have to think about it. And either. like feathers are only labeled M I M O. They're not actually, they don't even have the S on them. Right. That would only, but it would come up for, for uh, third party devices. Yeah. And it's actually interesting because a lot of our breakouts don't even, they aren't labeled for spy because most of them are S squared C. Like I don't think Adafruit has a lot of boards that are actually using those terms. Or they have ambiguous pin pins like DS or something. There are a few ones that okay. it depends on the device that they re, it depends on how they recycle pins. Sensor. <laughs> yeah, sensor, sensor is. Sensor's if it's a display, sensor is going to cause lots of problems if it's not on a sensor. If, if it's not on a sensor, the guide was updated to read serial data in, serial data out. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's great. Okay. Yeah. But that's, they've already been updated. That's what they've been updated to. Awesome. So, 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 so Scott, you could take this under advisement. 
I mean, like, ultimately, like, like I, I have my own opinion. I, I don't know that we're going to necessarily come to a 100% unanimous decision here, but, but it's, you know, it sounds like Dan and then you have arrived on a thing, and, and I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I don't object to, to the scenario suggested, so. I think the broadest terms for Mosi and Miso are main and selected. Like, the concern with microcontroller is that it doesn't really apply to Raspberry Pi that well. But that's a detail. Like, I'm sure people who are just getting into Raspberry Pis can call it a microcontroller and be fine. Like, not have this, like, fundamental conundrum. It's a microprocessor. Uh, it's a microcomputer. Right. So, so I think, yeah, yeah like, yeah. I think we should kind of just expect different ways of explaining it. Uh, for Mosi and Miso, we don't have to have one, like only one explanation of what it is, because they're really just mnemonics for remembering how to hook them up, right? Like, I, they... I, don't, I think I think that like should be aiming to pick one mnemon a consistent mnemonic for SPI Mosi and Miso. That's that's really the only thing that I think we'll be consistent about, and I think. Main and selected seems to be swap. Yeah, I think I think in our docs we should put main and selected, um, and explain it as the selected peripheral. But um, to some degree, I I think I think it's okay that people have different ways of remembering what MOSI and MISO mean. Like, because I think MOSI and MISO mean something on their own, regardless of how you remember like what it means. Okay, I, I will follow up on that PR with a final recommendation. Which I think will be, instead of slave, we'll say peripheral. And we'll change the Mosi and Miso docs to say main and, main and selected. All right. There's a reason I wanted to do this. I appreciate everybody sticking with me. Um, and I'm going to wrap us up. So this has been the CircuitPython Weekly Meeting uh, for June 22nd. Thank you, everybody, for sticking in the weeds here uh, at the end. Uh, as a reminder, for those of you, you don't have to listen to the whole thing. I know it ends up pretty long sometimes. Uh, this meeting was recorded along with all the other meetings. Um, we post them to the Adafruit YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Adafruit. It also gets broadcast out to a bunch of podcast services. So if you're like me and like to subscribe, you should be able to do that as well. If you don't want to hear the whole thing, we do have a note stock that is linked to from those sources. So if on YouTube, you can click the note stock and that will tell you all the time codes and stuff uh, so that you can listen to the things that are of interest to you. And... Um, that's the deal. I think next week we're on a normal time schedule. Um, if you want to get all of the pings and stuff about it, uh, let us know. Uh, <laughs> I just realized what that gift was. Um, uh, you can join the or ask to be added to the CircuitPythonista role. That means that you'll get pinged when we put the new note stock up. And if we have to notify folks about a reschedule, we'll ping that role as well. That's about all it's used for. Um, so if you want to do that, let us know. And um, 
that's the general gist. It's uh, on the Adafruit Discord at the URL adafru.it slash discord. It happens Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. So if this is if you're listening to this later and want to know when you can catch it live, that's when you can catch it love, live. And uh, lastly, I think I might have said lastly already, but um, support Adafruit. They support a, a lot of us uh, to work on CircuitPython. So you can uh, go to adafruit.com. A lot of stuff's out of stock right now. We're working on that. Uh, but if something you would like to purchase is in stock, please do so, and we'll give it out to you as soon as we can. So uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, everyone.